and a tool like Visual DX is really powerful because it can be integrated with electronic medical record systems, which, you know, I would say a large majority of hospital systems and, and healthcare centers use. Hi, welcome to HIMSCast. I'm Kat Jersich, Senior Editor at Healthcare IT News. Artificial intelligence tools in healthcare, as with any other software, are not immune to bias, especially if they've been trained on data sets that don't accurately reflect the global population. Last year, Visual DX, which provides diagnostic support software, launched Project Impact, a global effort to reduce disparities in medicine and highlight ways to bridge gaps of knowledge and improve healthcare outcomes for patients of color. Here with me today to discuss the project is Director of Clinical Impact for Visual DX, Dr. Nada Elbaluk. Dr. Elbaluk, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Could you just start by telling me a little bit about Visual DX and what your role is with Project Impact? Yeah, absolutely. So Visual DX is an electronic decision-making tool which can be used either online or through a mobile-based app. And it's meant to help um, physicians and healthcare providers have the um, latest and sort of um, best evidence-based medicine information right at their fingertips. What's really powerful about it is that in addition to having medical information on thousands of diseases, we also have an amazing comprehensive image database, which is really unique. And so we have thousands and thousands of images of different medical conditions. And we also have those images across different skin types, which is what's really powerful and unique about it. Um, a study that came out two years ago actually showed that we had the highest um, percentage of skin of color images of any other database. Nearly a third of our images um, have skin of color. So what that means is that we have information that is representative of people across the US and across the globe, which is really important. And that's part of how we really help promote health equity by making sure that the information and the imaging that we provide is representative um, of all types of people. Project Impact is a global initiative that is powered and run by Visual DX, um, but it is a collaborative initiative. So we as Visual DX are part of it, um, along with multiple other collaborators. So when I joined um, Visual DX two years ago, we were really looking at the work we were doing in the health equity space and in medical education. And we realized that health equity is a really complicated um, problem in terms of like, how do we achieve it, right? And so there are so many different groups that are working to kind of make strides in that space to help improve health equity. But there's so many different ways to do that. Some people are doing it through education. Some are doing it through research. Some are doing it through programming, such as mentorship opportunities, pipeline programs. Um, some are working on improving the diversity of our provider population. So all of these efforts are very important collectively, right, for us to really reach health equity. And so what we thought about is how can we connect with a lot of these other groups who are doing really important work and how can we find, you know, how we can support each other and how we can find synergy in some of the programming that we're doing so that we can even be more effective and more powerful in this goal. So um, it's been a really exciting initiative that's grown rapidly and is continuing to grow. So we have about 11 organizations right now that are collaborators that are part of Project Impact. The unique thing as well is that you don't have to be part of an organization to join the movement. So you can join Project Impact as an individual. So you can sign up and we have a section on the website which talks about taking the pledge. So we ask every individual or organization who joins to take a pledge um, about reducing health equity and to share how they plan to do so. 
And you can do that in so many ways. It might be you just give a lecture to a group of you know, students or a local hospital or healthcare system in your area. It might be you mentor somebody. It might be you publish an article, you know, that's related to these things. So there's so many ways, even on an individual level, to help. Um, so that's sort of the, the snapshot um, bird's eye view of, of sort of the work we do at Visual DX and Project Impact. That's incredible. And it's so wide ranging. As you noted, there are a number of different ways that health inequities can be addressed either by individuals and or, or organizations. And because Visual DX does kind of focus on dermatolo dermatological conditions and other kinds of clinical decision support, I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit more about gaps that you see in providers' knowledge about how to treat those conditions in patients, especially those with non-white skin tones. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of gaps um, that we need to continue to improve upon. So one of the gaps, particularly, I mean, I'm a dermatologist, so really speaking from that perspective that I see is the ability to accurately diagnose conditions in um, darker skin types. So the reality is that a lot of dermatologic conditions can look different um, in different skin colors. So you can take something as common as eczema. And, you know, when we talk about someone who has active in, you know, eczema, we're used to in lighter skin, seeing sort of bright red to pink mm -hmm. scaly patches. Um, when you're looking at active eczema in a darker skin person, you're, because of the melanin they have, which gives them their skin color, um, you're not gonna see that bright red or pink hue. It's actually gonna be maybe more of a purple, you know, um, purple brownish hue. And so if you haven't gotten the opportunity to train in an environment where you've seen diseases across different skin colors, you easily can miss a diagnosis um, in a darker skin person if you, if you haven't been exposed to that. Um, or in the converse, in a lighter skin person, if you haven't seen that, right, depending on where you train. So, you know, it's really important, I think, for databases like ours, um, educational tools, to have that imagery. Because not every place in the country has the same diversity of patients. And so you may have to rely on, you know, books and electronic ed educational tools like ours to get to see what that looks like. Um, so I think that's a big gap that we need to continue to improve upon so that people know how to accurately diagnose conditions across skin types. The second thing is also knowing how to diagnose disease activity, right? Hmm. So because we use redness often as a marker of inflammation, um, we don't have that same redness, as I mentioned, darker skin. So what happens a lot of times when some inflammatory condition like eczema or acne or psoriasis is seen, um, people often can think that it's not very active because you're basically seeing things in a brownish or, you know, darker hue. And, um, you know, in, med in dermatology, we call it post-inflammatory. After you've had a rash and it goes away, it does leave you with brown spots oftentimes that often fade with time. But distinguishing what's post-inflammatory from active disease is really important because when people don't make that distinction, people get undertreated, right? They get a vet looked at and it's like, oh, you know, it, it's not that active or only X percentage of your body looks active or actually it could be much more. So undertreatment of disease has a big impact on quality of life, just as misdiagnosis uh, does as well. And then the third gap that I really see is really um, diagnosing and understanding how to treat conditions that are unique to the skin of color population. So mm -hmm. there are things like keloids, for example, which is a type of scarring or certain types of alopecia, which is the medical term for hair loss. Um, certain ones that are 
basically almost exclusive to the skin of color population or which predominantly occur in skin of color. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these conditions have been under-researched for many years. And so we don't have as much information about them. And so a lot of individuals who live with these conditions, you know, sometimes end up in the offices of providers who don't know much about the diseases or how to treat them or even diagnosing them properly. And so they go on living and dealing with this, feeling, you know, very isolated, very, um, you know, frustrated and very affected um, in terms of their, their health and quality of life. So I think those are the three areas that, you know, are gaps that I'd like that we are working on, but I'd like to see uh, overall, you know, many more uh, communities working on. Absolutely. You touched on this a little bit, but I'm wondering what some of the ways are for technology to address some of those gaps. Yeah. So the powerful thing about technology is that you can basically get it to anybody anywhere in the world. Right. Um, and so unlike books, which, you know, are, I still love books, but they're, you know, they're the, to the amount of knowledge we have in science right now is just so vast that, you know, for even, you know, one specialty like my own, you would need so many books to sort of try to comprehensively have the most up-to-date information. With technology, we can have all of that at our fingertips, literally in our phones um, or at our computers, we can have access to information on any disease that we need. Um, And so I really think that's the direction we're moving in, in terms of using technology more and more in educational space. It just makes sense. um, And it's more practical and allows for constant updating as well, right? I mean, books, you have to wait on new editions and, you know, again, they can be so, so thick and heavy. And, um, you know, I think there's a place for books, but I think even books are becoming electronic. Hmm. So, and a tool like Visual DX is really powerful because it can be integrated with electronic medical record systems, which, you know, I would say a large majority of hospital systems and, and healthcare centers use. Um, and it also can be used at the bedside. So, you know, I use it oftentimes in my own clinical practice where I'm seeing a patient with a condition and I want to show them what that condition looks like at their, in their skin color. I pull up the images and I show them because a lot of times patients say, you know, have you ever seen this before? And, you know, to which of course I have, but, um, you know, I want to show them representations of it. Um, and that really helps them when they see it in a picture and they're like, oh yeah, that does look like what I have, you know, and there's some comfort there in understanding and trusting the diagnosis. Um, I also like to use it for patient handouts. And so that's another powerful way. I think that technology is very helpful is getting credible, accurate medical information into the hands of patients. So there's a lot of data showing that patients remember a much smaller percentage of what's said in a medical visit um, than we think. And so giving them written information that they can go home with and go back and read and reflect on is really important. And I think in this day and age where, you know, social media exists and there's just so much available online, there's a lot of misinformation, unfortunately, too. So I think using technology to get accurate information into hands of our patients is so important. And then, you know, the other thing is just looking up, you know, the latest treatments or, you know, if you want to look up anything else about the condition, having, you know, a technological tool where you can do that is so wonderful. And again, you could be anywhere in the world and have access to to that. And I just think that's incredibly powerful. Um, Even in areas that don't have internet, we actually are piloting some programs in uh, a few third world countries of a non-internet based um, uh, version of of the program where people can basically still have it electronically, you know, on an iPad or phone without needing internet. Um, So I think it's, it's, 
the way of the future. And I think the times we're currently living in are really obviously using technology more and more. So I think it's a, it's a great thing. That's really interesting. I, I love what you said about helping patients feel less alone, because I think a lot of listeners might be able to relate to the old 3am Google image search. Um, maybe that's just me, but trying to find something that resembles a condition that you might have. And if there aren't accurate images available that match your skin tone, I can imagine that would feel even more alienating and would make a patient feel helpless. Um, so that's, that's a very exciting uh, tool that you're describing that would help um, offer more context and more support rather than less. But I do want to talk a little bit too about the role that we've seen tools can have in reproducing bias. You mentioned at the top of the show that Visual DX has a huge database that is representative of patients around the globe, but we know that that's not always true. So how can uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning tools keep from reproducing biases that are already emerging in healthcare spaces? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, I mean, AI is a powerful tool, but it's only as good as what you feed it right? So it is the responsibility of whoever is working behind the AI platform, right? To build it and maintain it, to be very intentional and conscious about what is fed into the AI machines. So at Visual DX, it wasn't a coincidence that a third of our image database ends up being a skin of color. It's because the, our founders who are dermatologists, you know, were thinking about this decades ago. So they were making sure that constantly there were images across different skin colors, because it, it is a, a very time consuming process to really, you know, be aware of that and make sure you're creating that over time. So, you know, it was decades of work and thought that led to us being where we are today. Now, as artificial intelligence is coming into the realm, you know, people may have thousands of images to feed something, but how representative are those images, right? And so if you feed AI images that are, you know, predominantly of, of one or a few demographic groups or cohorts, you are going to end up having bias, you know, for sure. So you have to make sure that if you are utilizing an AI platform or you're behind creating one, that you're feeding it. Um, you know, very diverse representative um, images. And, and we've been very intentional and conscious about that at Visual DX. So we have a differential diagnosis builder where, you know, physicians and healthcare providers using the platform can put in different, you know, things about a, a condition, person's mm. age, you know, what it looks like, things like that. And then using the technology that we have, which includes AI, it gives you sort of differential possibilities of what it is. Um, but again, we have made sure that what we feed our AI is very diverse and representative. And, you know, I think that's a really important point that people have to realize um, as I, AI continues to emerge in healthcare. Absolutely. I'm wondering what you think is missing from the wider conversation right now about health equity and disparities in health outcomes. You know, I think what's missing... I think the conversation is there. I think the aspects of the conversation are there, especially in the last two years since the uh, tragic death of George Floyd and, and multiple others, um, you know, which has been happening for decades. But unfortunately, you know, it really took, I think, it getting to this point in the last two years to really see the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement and really all of society um, and all the different sectors of society looking inward to say, how are we part of the problem? How are we part of 
propagating systemic racism and what do we need to do in our sector to fix it and not be part of the problem. So healthcare has been doing that, right? And they've been doing it more heavily, I think, in the last two years. So um, it's an old issue, but a renewed conversation that's happening. Um, and it needs to happen. It needs to continue to happen. I think where I see that there's um, sort of a, what's missing is more action, right? Hmm. So there's been a lot of conversation. There have been a lot of you know, groups who've come out with statements, diversity statements, uh, what they're dedicated to, you know, et cetera. But we have to see that translate into action. And so I think there needs to be accountability on healthcare organizations about what actions are you actually taking to implement to improve health equity, not just what you're saying, right? So I think that's what's missing is just more action. Um, you know, I think we really need to move the needle. We really need to see how people are going to execute measures to improve health equity and not just say that they care about it, but actually do it and be held accountable for it. I think that looking for measures of um, impact is really important, as you mentioned, for accountability, not just we feel this way, but this is what we've done. And this is how our results are measuring up to what we thought. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, before we wrap up here, I'm wondering if there's anything you can give insight about uh, regarding next steps about project impact or visual DX, anything you're particularly excited about that you wanted to um, let listeners know about? Yeah, absolutely. So we are um, really excited to continue to be working on a lot of these initiatives, both on the Visual DX side and at Project Impact. We're looking to continue to grow our collaborative societies that we're working with. So if you are a member of a society that you're and you're listening um, to this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. Or if you're just as an individual interested in health equity efforts, um, you know, join the Project Impact Initiative. You can take the pledge. You can share that you've taken the pledge on your social media platforms. So we really want to grow the community. Um, and so we really want people to be more aware. I encourage people to go to our website, which is projectimpact.org, um, and really find out more about the work that we're doing. We're hoping to have more programming coming out in the next year, more things that will both support people on the provider side and also things to support patients on the patient side. So um, keep an eye out for more of those things coming down the pipeline. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And thank you to our listeners. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and stay safe out there. <laughs>